As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for joining me today on Modern Money with Misty Lynch. I'm your host, Misty Lynch, and today we're going to be talking about debt. We're going to talk about student loan debt specifically with our guest Adam Minsky later today. He's one of the nation's leading experts on student loan law, and he's a pioneer in his field. He's established his first law firm in Massachusetts devoted entirely to helping student loan borrowers, and he now expanded his practice to include New York. But you can also follow him on Forbes or on social media, he has a few books that he's written that can help people in any state when they have student loan debt and they're trying to wrap their head around it. So I want to talk about debt. Now, there is $13.86 trillion worth of consumer debt in the U.S. That includes homes, cars, student loans, credit cards. And that's a pretty insane number when you think about it. And $1.6 trillion of that is student loan debt. Now, it's hard to really picture what a trillion dollars looks like, so I want to refer to a USA Today article that I found fascinating that said it would take 31,546 years to count each dollar bill in a trillion dollars. And if you were to go back in time a billion seconds, it would take you back to 1987. If you were to go back in time a trillion seconds, it would take you to 30,000 BC. So this is not a small number. And that means a lot of Americans are facing debt and trying to handle it. In 2018, the average American had $38,000 worth of debt. Now that doesn't include their home. And that can be a lot to deal with, especially when you're trying to make a financial plan for the future, but you're still busy paying for the past. So let's talk about debt. What is debt? In my mind, it's buying money. And debt doesn't have any meaning until you attach a thought to it. That's why some people can't stand owing anything to anyone, and other people can live completely happy lives being six figures in debt. It really just depends on your thoughts about it. And so there's some people who think that credit card debt is reckless, but a mortgage is responsible, or they might think that there's good or bad debt. And I really don't believe that myself. I think debt, like I said, is just buying money. So it's really something you need to take into consideration whether you want to buy money to purchase something now and pay for it in the future or not. I don't think a person is good or bad if they have debt. Now, when I think about a person being good or bad, it definitely doesn't mean if you waved a wand and wiped away all their debt, they would instantly become a good person. Typically, a person is, you know, a lot of other things, their actions, their character and things like that have a lot more to do with them than the amount of debt that they have. 
Now, I know that some people feel a lot of shame and guilt around debt, especially when they're going into a relationship or they feel like they're a burden to people around them because of the amount of debt they're in. And a lot of times people, especially students, are taking on probably one of the biggest financial decisions of their lives before they're even um, 18, 19 years old. And so that could be tough to then punish yourself forever for thinking about what you did when really the goal was to go get an education and go to school, which is what most people really, really expect people to do when they're in their late teens, early 20s. They're expected to go get an education. And then when they graduate, they're expected to either further their education or go get a nine to five job. Now, when the average starting salaries isn't keeping up with the same rate of the increased education costs, that can be a real huge problem for a lot of people who really set out to do the right thing. Now, if you have debt and you're trying to think about how to handle it, here are some of my tips. I want you to write everything down. I want you to write down every dollar that you owe to someone, credit card debt, student loan debt. If you have different servicers, write them all down too. And then you need to really start a plan to get out of it. And that's going to require understanding the details about your debt, like the different interest rates, the minimum payments, and you have to be committed to sticking to this plan. And this could be dictated to you. You can create a plan to get out of debt faster. Um, or if you think things are comfortable now, you can just have a plan to manage your debt, not take on more debt, and to have a budget that'll show you what you can afford now comfortably while making those payments towards your loans. Now, your brain is always going to have a better use for that money. Getting out of debt takes preparation and commitment. So if you think about throwing in the towel because it's happening too slowly, and this happens a lot for people, this doesn't just happen when it comes to debt. Some people will go on a diet because they want to lose weight, and then the process happens so slowly that they say, you know what, I'm just going to go eat what I want because this is taking too much time. Expect it to take time. Getting out of debt doesn't happen overnight. Even if you hit the lottery, if you haven't cleared up some of your thoughts about debt, you might be right back where you started relatively quickly. So it's really a mindset. You have to forgive yourself. You can't punish yourself for being in debt if you want to get out of it. You have to love the spot that you're in. You have to understand that you did what you did. Either you spent money, you went to college, you bought things that you wanted at the time, and you have to forgive yourself and understand that now you are changing and you're looking forward because you want to be debt free. And then if you have to set up the payments that you need to do when you're planning ahead and automate them. Now, the one good thing about automated payments is you don't have to make that decision every single time when it comes to using your money, especially if you're supporting other people. Um, there's always going to be somebody who needs the money right now. There might be dance lessons for the kids. There might be um, a vacation or a trip that you want to go on or somebody's wedding. And if that money is not set aside directly to go pay that debt, it might make sense for you to just this once use the money for a different purpose. Now that's going to continue to have <laughs> the same cycle of either taking on more debt or not getting out of it. So you have to be dedicated. You have to be willing to look at what's left in the bank account as the money that you can spend. And you have to be able to say that, yes, this is a decision that I made and that there's going to be certain things that I'm going to have to sacrifice in order to stick to my plan. Now, let me tell you, paying my last student loan felt amazing. It is really nice to get out of debt. Yes, it's painful. There's nothing enjoyable about paying down debt. However, when it's gone, 
it feels amazing. And so I think setting up that financial plan, whether you have a ton of debt, whether you have a little debt and you just don't want it, you can set up a plan and figure out the right payments and the right way to do it. And you can choose to feel differently about your debt right now without changing a thing. Think about what you got in exchange for going into debt. Maybe it was an education, a house, maybe it was a lot of nights out. And if you've been, if you've been home for the past few months, you might not feel so bad about those things that you did in the past. Your thoughts are what are punishing you about those decisions, not the money itself. You can decide to take action and have a different result, but it's best to be coming from a place of self-worth rather than abusing yourselves about those decisions that you can't go back and change anyway. So what I think you need to do when it comes to debt is act very intentionally. Even if you're charging a small purchase, I want you to really think about what you're doing. Ask yourself these questions. What is the return on this investment? Is this something I'll be happy about for 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 years? How much does this debt cost me? What are your interest rates? Find out those questions before you decide to go into more debt. And then ask yourself, why do you want to do this? Now, most of the time, we make decisions because we want to feel differently. And this can help us or hurt us. A lot of times I'll work with people and do financial planning and investments because they want to feel differently. They want to feel more in control of their financial future. They want to feel like they're prepared. They want to feel educated, empowered. Those are all good reasons to make progress in the right direction. Now, if you are feeling bored or you're feeling um, frustrated and you decide you're just going to spend money for that temporary feeling of joy or happiness, that's going to be fleeting. And you have to think about it. Okay, will I be happy about this in 10 days? Or is this debt something that I don't need to take on at this time? Maybe there's a better way for me to feel better, or maybe I need to process some of the things that I'm feeling right now. And so I want you to really think about that. Ask yourself some tough questions ahead of time. A lot of times we'll just do that thing that's easy and fast and right there and get into more debt and then wonder why does this keep happening? It's because we're not acting intentionally. And when you want to spend money the right way, your intentions have to be set and you have to know what your big goals are to, um, to avoid falling victim to wanting those things that just will make you feel better right now. Now, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Adam Minsky. He's incredibly wise when it comes to student loan debt. And he started his company because he had a lot of questions that he couldn't find answers to himself. And like I said, sometimes you just need to be that person that you were looking for. And that's what he did. So I want you to head over to mistylynch.com. If you have other questions about student loan debt, I do have a blog article up there that I wrote a while ago regarding the topic. And then I want you to be sure to join us when we come back with Adam Minsky the Boston student loan lawyer. In the financial markets, the only guarantee is that tomorrow will be different from today. The most successful investors tend to have three major things in common when it comes to investing. A disciplined game plan, access to industry-leading research, and they're patient. At Beck Bodie, they strategize with you to answer these challenges, utilizing research from the very best minds on Wall Street. So whether you're just getting started, already retired, or somewhere in between, partner with Beck Bodie and put their experience and expertise behind your most important assets. Visit beckbodie.com for a consultation. That's B-E-C-K-B-O-D-E.com. So welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. And I am 
here with student loan attorney Adam Minsky. So we're going to talk a little bit specifically about student loan debt and a little bit about how he helps his clients um, when, they, when they reach out to him for help with their student loan situation. So Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Could you tell us a little bit about how you became a student loan attorney? Before I met you, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I graduated law school myself uh, with some student loans and I encountered an issue with one of my loan servicers uh, shortly uh, after entering repayment. And long story short, I couldn't figure out um, what to do. So I, I felt that I needed some professional assistance, spent quite a bit of time trying to find someone who could help me and found that there was no one focusing in this area who could advise me and kind of help me navigate the system. I wound up resolving the issue on my own, but in the course of that realized that there really is a need for this type of, of help. Um, and so shortly thereafter, I, I started a practice and uh, I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, I think for traditional financial planning too, um, that's just not a topic that we we covered in most of my training as well. It, it, we talked about debt, we talked about mortgages, loans, and things like that. But student loan debt is just a whole separate um, field with all the different repayment options that I ended up taking a separate course on it just to try to help clients who who have this sort of debt wrap their head around it. So that's great to know that there's um, you know there's lawyers like you out there that can help. What type of situations do your typical clients, what, what are they usually in when they come to see you? So I typically can group my clients into one of three very broad categories. Uh, some folks just have student loans and they need some assistance uh, and guidance in navigating what is, as you said, a, a fairly complex and complicated system. Um, so that often involves me counseling them on options, providing recommendations and helping them through next steps and implementing a repayment plan uh, or action plan of some kind. Um, another group of clients are folks who have some sort of identifiable problem or dispute with their loans. Uh, perhaps they applied for a program, they were erroneously denied. Uh, maybe there's, uh, there's negative information that's being improperly reported to credit bureaus. Uh, Maybe the, something went wrong with the consolidation. Uh, so I help people uh, work through uh, those issues and, and, and help them dispute problems. And then the third group are folks who are in some sort of uh, trouble or distress. Perhaps they're, they're struggling with their payments or they've fallen behind or they're already in default. They're being pursued by debt collection agencies. Maybe their wages are being garnished or they're being sued in court. Uh, and I help defend people in those situations and when I can help them resolve things and, and get back into a, a better place. So yeah, so for people who might feel like there are no options, I think that that's really helpful to have someone like you to be able to go to the same way you would to go to a CPA if you had a problem with the IRS or something like that, where there's actually somebody who's very well versed in the rules and the law to be on your side. Mm -hmm. And I have a exactly. question with the recent freeze on student loan payments. Is there anything that you suggest borrowers be aware of or on the lookout for once the once that freeze ends? How should they prepare? Yeah, so I mean, right now under the CARES Act, um, all government-held federal student loans have suspended payments and suspended interest. That expires September 30th. And so um, unless Congress passes some sort of uh, extension, um, uh, then uh, folks are going to start getting billed again either in late October or early November. Uh, best thing I can tell folks is just kind of be aware of that deadline. 
Um, if uh, you know you're in uh, trouble, uh, or you know you've lost your job recently, or you're, 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 you've experienced a reduction in income, now is the time to start evaluating your options. For federal student loans, there are payment plans that you can uh, base your payments off of your income. Um, so that can be really useful for folks who, um, you know, have have experienced a decline in income and perhaps they can't afford their normal federal student loan payments. Um, you know, there also are sometimes deferment and forbearance options or, uh, as, as well. But now is the time to start looking into your options. You don't want to wait until you get that first bill and then you're sort of panicking and scrambling. Uh, you got a couple months to kind of look into things. And I, I, I recommend that folks, you know, take that time to to to, to do that research. So for people who are unemployed or underemployed, do you think that it's worth it even temporarily to change their payment type? Or is it something that you think is, is student loan planning? Is it something you do once? Or is it something that you have to continue to evaluate? Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where a lot of people are going to be in repayment on their student loans for a long time. I mean, usually the shortest repayment term that you can hope for is 10 years, but a lot of people are going to be in repayment for 25 or even 30 years in some cases. Um, and I always recommend that you treat your student loan repayment approach as an ongoing uh, you know, task. Uh, it should be reevaluated, um, you know, at least every few years. And also, if there are major life changes, like a new job or a loss of a job, marriage or divorce, uh, changing, uh, you know, careers, all of that is a good opportunity to take a look at your student loan repayment approach. Income-driven repayment can be a viable long-term option for people, uh, but it also can be a short-term bridge during periods of unemployment or underemployment that allow borrowers to avoid uh, other programs like deferment or forbearances, which have more limited options. Um, there's, uh, there's less time you can be in those plans um, and it might not be uh, best for everyone and not everyone may have those options. So um, everyone's situation is, is certainly different, um, but I definitely think, um, you know, if, if, if you're experiencing some difficulty financially, um, you know, taking the time to evaluate all the options um, it would, be, would be quite prudent. I think that makes sense, especially for some people that might know that their income is going to stay the same for most of their career. I think the income base would possibly make sense as a long-term solution, but it's good to know that people who are experiencing changes or shifts in their career might want to consider that for a little bit of help to get through the, the tough times. I did have a question as well about people who, um, I know I talked to some clients who say, well, my loans will be forgiven. When it comes to loan forgiveness programs, I know that there's a very low percentage that actually get forgiveness. What are some of the things that you recommend to somebody who may be eligible for those? What do you recommend that they do right, is, right from the start to make sure that they have a good chance? Well, I mean, first of all, it's important to understand that there are multiple federal student loan forgiveness programs, and each of them have fairly specific eligibility criteria. So for instance, there are, there's loan forgiveness that's tied to those income-driven repayment plans that I referenced, but you typically have to be in repayment under those plans for 20 or 25 years. There are profession-based loan forgiveness programs. Uh, there's loan forgiveness programs specifically for teachers. There's also a loan forgiveness program, uh, more broadly speaking, for folks who work for nonprofit organizations or government entities. We call that the public service loan forgiveness program. Those profession-based programs have very 
clear, well, I shouldn't say clear, but they have very specific eligibility criteria that is sometimes unclear to people. Um, and folks should do the, their research now because often what I see happen uh, are people who thought that they were eligible and then they find out years later that they in fact were not eligible and a simple change like changing their payment plans or consolidating their loans um, or maybe even doing something slightly different in their field uh, would have made them eligible had they known earlier. Um, so it's really important to not make assumptions. Um, you know, obviously talk to your loan servicer, but unfortunately loan servicers are inconsistent uh, in providing uh, clear, uh, concise, um, and, and, and accurate information. Uh, so it's up to borrowers to really understand their options and make sure they're doing what they need to do uh, to be on track for the loan forgiveness programs that they hope that they're eligible for. Do you have any advice for, um, you know, future students, parents, anybody that's looking at sending, you know, going to college in the near future, or maybe they're graduating um, next year or, you know, within the next couple of years, what advice do you have for those people before their student loan repayment begins? Is there anything that you'd recommend that they know or be aware of? Because I know when I graduated from college, I just knew I had six months and then the bill came, but I really hadn't right. done much to prepare otherwise. Any tips for them? Yeah, I mean, generally, if you still have, uh, you know, more semesters left, certainly try to minimize borrowing to the extent possible. I know that may seem obvious, but I think it's very easy to just take out the full amount of loans that you can that you're eligible for, because why not? Um, and then of course that can come back to bite you uh, years later when you're in repayment. Um, so definitely try to minimize borrowing, only borrow what you need, try not to borrow anything at all if that's possible, but uh, if that's impossible, then just keep it you know, at the lowest possible levels of borrowing. Definitely look into your repayment plan options and loan forgiveness options in advance. I think it's much better to come out of school with a clear plan. Uh, what repayment plan are you going to be on? What are your monthly payments going to be? Um, are you eligible for any of those profession-based loan forgiveness programs? And what do you have to do to make sure that you get on track for that? Uh, look into programs like refinancing and consolidation, but you know there are often very significant uh, you know, downsides um, and potential benefits to, to, to doing that as well. So understand those options too. You don't want to uh, wait until you know you're in the process of moving to a new apartment, uh, starting a new job, studying for a professional license exam, um, while you are in the midst of also trying to figure out your student loan options. Take the time to look into that um, early on, and don't just you know assume that you can go right into a deferment or forbearance just to kind of kick the can down the road. I think too often people do that, and then they wind up you know having some regrets about that later on. Yeah, and I think that's definitely probably a good tip even for, for younger students or people right now who might be experiencing some changes in their careers and thinking, maybe I'll just go back to school. And, you know, I think it's good to know um, about how much you're borrowing and making sure that that makes sense for you. And I know we've worked together with a few clients for financial planning, including their student loan um, repayment plans into the process. What do you feel? I, I know that I've, I've sensed that when people have a plan for their money, um, whether it's paying off debt and looking to the future. Do you think there's any benefit from doing that simultaneously, especially for clients that you might meet who are maybe just overwhelmed with the amount of debt that they're in? I definitely think that more information is useful, more guidance is useful, more professional assistance is useful. And I think that, you know, it's not either or here. It's not that 
you know, you just have to focus on your debt without planning for the future, like retirement. Um, you know, it is possible to uh, to have a more holistic approach to your finances, and I think that doing what you need to do to make sure that your taxes, your retirement plan, your student loans, uh, you know, make sure everything is in order. Um, and and I think that that is a that is a wise course of action. I think that makes sense too. I think a lot of times it it's been helpful for a few people who maybe have um, taken out a ton of debt for um, for a high paying career. But when you're in the middle of that beginning part where you're earning on the lower end of your potential salary, then to maybe project out in some what if scenarios what the future might look like if you're consistent if you do the things you need to do to pay down the debt to apply for either the you know forgiveness if that's part of your career for some people who are in the medical field and things like that. I think that that can be eye-opening to see that the future does look a little brighter, but it's tough when you're right in the middle of everything for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. What do you think um, some people who might be, um, maybe they're out of the territory that you operate in, or they're not quite sure if they need a student loan lawyer yet. I know I read um, Student Loan Debt 101 that you wrote. Any other suggestions for people that might be just trying to educate themselves more on this topic? Well, uh, you know, if you have federal student loans, you can visit the Department of Education's website at studentaid.gov. That's uh, studentaid.gov. Um, that has a lot of free information on a lot of the federal student loan programs. Um, I often refer people as well to the National Consumer Law Center's website, nclc.gov. ORG. They're a nonprofit organization that publishes a lot of free information uh, on student debt. Um, so those are some good places to at least start the process of getting uh, some understanding about what the uh, programs and options are that, that are out there. And then if you want some, some additional guidance or advice, you know, that's where I think a financial planner or an attorney can come in, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, being an objective sounding board for some potential approaches and options for managing the loans. What do you, do you think that there's going to be some changes, whether now or in the future, when it comes to student loans? Have we, have we reached or are we approaching a tipping point where it comes to, to people being able to really make a great decision about, you know, going to school, what they should study, things like that? I mean, you know, in the, in the decade or so that I've been doing this work, uh, certainly I, I, I've seen an acceleration, I think, of this topic really in the last couple of years. Um, you know, we're at $1.6 trillion in outstanding student debt. Over 40 million Americans um, have student loan debt. And, you know, given where we are with the economy right now, um, I think a lot of those, uh, those borrowers are, are feeling uh, the pinch um, of these loans. Um, and so uh, we are, uh, I think, really starting to see a, a push for major student loan reform. What that reform looks like, you know, really depends on a lot of things, including who who is the one that's, that's pushing the reform. But, uh, you know, we're seeing proposals from, uh, you know, range from, uh, you know, changing the system to make it uh, easier, simpler, fairer, with more accountability. Uh, we're seeing proposals to uh, create more options for shortening repayment terms or providing some loan forgiveness. Uh, we are seeing some more widespread student loan forgiveness proposals out there. Uh, I would caution folks that, you know, I, I don't anticipate any student loan forgiveness happening uh, this year, uh, at least on a widespread scale. Is, is it possible that it could happen, you know, uh, sometime in the near to intermediate term, you know, perhaps next year or later, you know, obviously would depend on the outcome of the election. 
election to some extent, but even then there's no way to know in advance what, if any sort of relief might come to pass. Um, I think the best that we can do is go by the programs that exist now, do what's best for you based on the current landscape, but don't assume that the system that we have now is gonna be the same system that we have in a few years, could be better, could be worse. So just you know, be aware of what's going on um, and you know, talk to your elected officials um, if you uh, have uh, your own ideas um, about uh, ways to improve things. I think that's really important too to mention because I think now most a lot of people have become more active in looking at their local governments or looking at reaching out to people to try to try to push the policies, try to get the the changes that they want to see. And I think that's important to mention that you do have a voice, even if even if you are in debt, even if you are young, it, it is possible to to make sure that you're heard. And is that something that people should think about though when they are considering um, maybe refinancing their debt and taking a better loan private? Yeah, I mean, there are some serious considerations that go along with that. The main reason to refinance a loan through a different lender, uh, a private lender, would be to get a lower interest rate, and that can make repayment easier. Problem there is that if you're refinancing federal loans into a private loan, you're permanently walking away from a lot of program options and consumer benefits and protections that are unique to the federal loan system, such as, for instance, income-driven repayment, profession-based loan forgiveness, as well as other uh, you know, important, uh, 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 you know, uh, relief programs like a, like a disability discharge if you become uh, injured or sick and can't work anymore. Um, so folks really should be careful. Um, I have seen people who have refinanced their federal loans through a private loan, not fully understanding what they were giving up and then realized after it was too late. Um, so, you know, that is the right decision for some people, but not for everyone. And you want to make sure that what you're doing um, is the right move because unfortunately, sometimes when you make a decision like that, it can be irreversible. That's very important to know. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Adam. How can people connect with you or um, keep in touch with you? Do you have any social media or websites? Or I know you're a contributor to Forbes. Can they subscribe to, to follow you more and to get the most up-to-date information? Yeah, so I, I am a senior contributor at Forbes. Um, I write, you know, weekly on all things student loans, including, you know, new policy updates, uh, new legislation, court decisions, um, and, uh, and new reform, uh, you know, topics, uh, you know, related to student loans. So you can follow me on Forbes. You can also go to my website, minsky-law.com, or a little bit easier to remember is bostonstudentloanlawyer.com. Uh, those are my websites. You can also follow me on social media. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, on LinkedIn, um, and my firm has a Facebook page as well. So just feel free to look me up there and, and follow me there. Thank you so much, Adam. And thank you all for listening this week. If you'd like to set up an appointment or a 15-minute welcome call to talk about financial planning, let me know. Head over to mistylynch.com. And if you specifically want to talk about student loans and you think you might want to do a plan that includes my help and Adam's, just put student loan in the comments and I'll be sure to get back to you and we can talk about your needs. Thank you so much for joining us today on Modern Money with Misty Lynch. We'll talk to you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.